Welcome to Wizard Team, a Harry Potter cast for true Potterheads. Each week we discuss a chapter from the series with all of our knowledge of the world of Harry Potter. Be warned, this is a spoiler-heavy podcast. I'm Bayana. And I'm Robin. We're really excited to go through these chapters and discuss all of our thoughts and feelings about the book. Today we're discussing Chapter 5 of Harry Potter and the Half-Blood Prince in Excess of Um, First, we have some announcements and reminders. We want this podcast to be interactive and want to know your thoughts. So please feel free to tweet along with us. You can use the hashtag WizardTeam on Twitter to follow along. Love our blog. Love WizardTeam. Have a few extra galleons lying around. Donate to Black Girls Create. You can become a Patronus or send us a cheering charm at blackgirlscreate.org slash donate. Um, And we have WizardTeam merch. So you can head over to our website to step up your nerd fashion and stationery game. Um, and if you want to support us but don't have the funds to do so, you can rate and review us on iTunes. And please fill out our audience survey to give us feedback. That we're, we're kind of doing it for the month of May, um, just, yeah, to get feedback and thoughts and just some information about people who are in our community. So please fill it out. It's really easy. It's very quick. I made just my dad questions. do it, and his feedback was mostly... Can you make the font on the newsletter bigger? Because now it's gotten smaller and it's harder to read. It's like, valid, Dad. Valid. Um, speaking of the newsletter, subscribe to Black Witches Weekly, our newsletter curated by Withered Bay Deb with nerd news and links to what's been going on. So if you want to be in the know, be sure to subscribe. You can go to blackgirlscrate.org. Oh, and there's this new cool thing where if you go there, um, it, there's like a pop-up the first time. So you don't even have to, like, go search for it. I hope it worked. I, I made it. I don't know if it works. I think it, it works. works. I think it works. It works. Cool. Yeah. Do it. And now for Wizard Team News. Hey, Robin. Hey. Do you know what tomorrow is? Ramona Sprott's birthday? No. Not tomorrow. Not today tomorrow, but Wizard Team Wednesday tomorrow. Oh. Is it our anniversary? I think it is. What? I think your girls have been out here for three years now. You've been out here for three years? Ooh. It's Look at been, us. been a ride. It has been a journey. Are y'all ready um, for this journey? I know. So thanks, everyone, um, for supporting us for three years now. Um, it's the anniversary tomorrow. May 17th is the anniversary of um, Black Girls Create formerly known as Black Girls Nerd Out. And yeah, that's awesome. That's all I really have to say about it. It's kind of cool. We out here. We are. Um, FYI, I haven't seen Luna in three days, so she's sleeping on my lap. If she's just snoring, it's her. So she's so cute. <laughs> okay, guys. Um, <laughs> Patronus. We have a Patronus. We have a new Patronus. Um, so shout out to Lauren Sidwell um, for becoming a Patronus. Yes. Shout out to you. Um, also, someone let us know in the survey that we should probably back away from Tweed and uh, or DJ Khaled, as he's known in other circles. And uh, do you have we'll any, do our best. If you have any suggestions of who we could back away from it or go towards I'm thinking Michael Jackson 
don't know which, what we would do. Yeah, because the first thing I thought was you're doing wrong, and that's the opposite of what we're talking yeah. about here. Um. <laughs> um, okay, and magical birthdays, even though I was quick to pull the trigger. Tuesday, or yesterday, was Professor Sprout's birthday. Shout out to, isn't she head of Hufflepuff House? Yes. Yep. And um, a teacher that just goes to work, does her job, tries to not, you know, stay above the fray, you know, minds her business, mm-hmm. does what she needs to do. Shout out to you. Yeah. Also, how do you make the font bigger on the plot? I don't know that. I don't know. Okay. I got it. Um. Okay. Chapter five. Actually, before chapter five, as always, previously, previously on Wizard Team, um, Dumbledore took Harry to um, an old colleague's house to try to persuade him to come back and teach at Hogwarts. His name is Horace Slughorn. He has been roaming around uh, the UK in various muggle houses for about a year, hiding out from the Death Eaters, and um, always brings his piano, because it's important. But never mm-hmm. once thought, hey, maybe I'll just move to France. Nope. Or America, America. or, you know, Brazil. None Australia. Of that. Nope. He decided to stick around. But move every, um, month, every four weeks. Yep. Yep, he's, he's, uh, I think he moves every week Oh, at this point. Wow, yeah. So, yeah, a tour of the United Kingdom, if you will. Should have went to Albania, um, because no one will find you there. Right, you know? We've already discussed that. Delia is saying that Slughorn invented Airbnb, <laughs> which is what, which is what happened, except that the people whose houses he's living in don't know that he's there. And they're so not there's that. Paid. No. Um... But he has, after some, you know, some convincing, mostly by Harry just kind of being there, um, Slughorn has agreed to come back and teach at Hogwarts. Um, And then Dumbledore takes Harry to the borough. And before he goes um, into the house, they talk about um, the prophecy. And Dumbledore tells Harry that he should tell Ron and Hermione about what's going on. uh, And then also tells... Um, him that he would like for Harry to uh, take a class class with him. So Harry has a knows he has at least one class um, in his sixth year because he doesn't know about his OWLs soon come. Um, so he has at least one class this year, and it is lessons with Dumbledore. Um, so the credit is your life is saved. I would think. <laughs> You get to save all of <laughs> all of Wizarding Britain from the scourge and Muggle Britain from the scourge of Lord Voldemort. That's your credit. Congratulations. Okay. <laughs> um, okay, so chapter five, an excess of Flynn. So Dumbledore knocks on the door. Um, that, uh, yeah, on the uh, door to the kitchen of the borough. Who's there? Said a nervous voice. Declare yourself, Mrs. Weasley. It is I, Dumbledore, bringing Harry. Um, Mrs. Weasley opens the door, and she's um, surprised because Dumbledore said not to expect them until the morning, um, because it's about, like, one in the morning now, I believe, at this point. Um, Dumbledore's like, we were lucky. 
things just happen quicker, so now we're here. How long did D- Dumbledore really expect them? Like, what if Slughorn had taken more persuading? They would have just been like, they would like stake out in front of his house for like eight hours. Hmm. I guess. Or maybe he just, he, not like eight hours, you know, they, they arrived really late in the middle of the night, so maybe they just thought that they, he would have to like talk to him longer, but Harry was pretty quick with like, well, you know, then they were safer than Hogwarts, and isn't Dumbledore the only one Voldemort ever feared, and yeah, I don't know. Hmm. Yeah, I don't know. And turns out Talks is there um, talking to Molly. Um, she has mousy brown hair and is standing at the table clutching a large mug in her hands. Um, Harry thought she looked drawn, even ill, and there was something forced in her smile. She gets up and says, I'd better be off. Thanks for the tea and sympathy, Molly. Dumbledore says, "I please don't leave on my account. I have urgent matters to discuss with you for Scrimger. I wonder if that's just more of Scrimger asking him to um, get Harry on the side. Yeah, or if it's just, like, other stuff. I'm sure it's other stuff because Dumbledore is an important person, head of the Wise and Gamut and all that. Yeah, but I also wonder if Dumbledore just thinks that he makes Hawks nervous. (laughs) Like, Right. That's, yeah. Like, it's, it's one of those things where, like, you know, people that, even if you like them, okay. Damn. <laughs> um, even if you like them, you don't want to like really like you don't feel comfortable around them. So you'd be like, all right, well, I'm gonna go. You know what I mean? Like, if you're like hanging out with at your friend's house and their parents walk in the room, you're like, yeah, I don't want to flip up and say something I shouldn't have, or you know, I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. Who knows? Uh, no, no, I need to get going. Said Tonks. Good night. Dear, why don't you come to dinner at, uh, at the weekend? Remus and Mad Eye are coming. No, really, Molly. Thanks anyway. Um, and then she disapparates. So something's up with Tonks. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, man. Sorry, I just realized this is the romance book. It is exactly that was what I was gonna say. That was what I was gonna say. <laughs> it's just like because I don't know. I think about it like yeah, it's the annoying one with the dating for all the kids, but it's also the romance book for every yeah. All right. Yeah. So that was what I was gonna say. So like right now, it's not clear. So first of all, the problem the problem is Remus, and we don't get this that the problem is Remus for like until the end of the book. So they won't talk about it probably in full until like October or November. But I, but also, so I feel like I am going, is, hmm, I feel like I might, might hurt some people's feelings. That's what we do here. Okay. Yeah. I, tr- I personally try not to. I try not to. I don't, I don't, shy away I, don't I don't see it for Tonks and Remus. Right. I don't. And I think, you know, the whole thing with Teddy Lupin and, like, that parallel and, like, those things are fine. But um, I don't see it for them. I don't. Because you you see it for uh, 
Lupin and and Sirius or um well partially but then also like people can love lots of people throughout their lives and so you know what I mean like I don't think there has to be like one person for Remus so it's less about that and it's more about how it's set up and it's a similar thing set up the same way as to like and Ginny yeah in a lot of ways right and I and I get that like part of it is that part of it is that we don't really see Tonks and Lupin very much in the books but when we do see them we don't see any kind of like interaction with them between the two of them that would suggest leading up to this point and it would really only have it would only be able to happen in Order of the Phoenix we don't see any of that where it would suggest that anything is happening between the two of them in Remus's backstory on Pottermore J.K. Rowling puts like a, some some more like background information into like how they fell for each other, and it was during their stakeouts for Order of the Phoenix, like during the fifth book, and that's something that we wouldn't be able to see, right? And so like it's fine because we don't actually see that happen. It comes out of no. It's at the very end. It comes out of nowhere. Like Tonks is depressed this whole book, and it's because she's in love with this dude who does it, who was like separating himself from her, and it's like you know what I'm a, and like I think Remus's like um battle with with like his own identity and him like going in and out between like hating himself and like being okay and like finding acceptance and all that kind of stuff is interesting and I think that it is probably also tied to Sirius um like his death in some ways um which we can get into later because I don't want to go in I don't want to delve into those fields yet but that is a theory I have but I just I just feel like it's not set up I you said what? I said I want to delve into that theory. Okay, fine. So yes, oh yeah. There was so, also sorry. There was a um, thread on a someone put on our um, Twitter on Monday, <laughs> trying to like do timey wimey on Monday, and she like did this whole thing about the house elves, and then she goes, "But I don't want to bore you guys anymore, so I'm gonna." I'm, or she's like, "But I don't want to like." keep doing this so i'm gonna go listen to another podcast and i was like or hear me out keep doing this <laughs> you could keep I'm doing really it. interesting like, you could keep doing you it. could do this forever uh-huh um so really quickly in the chat delia says um before i get into the theory that tonks and lupin is a bit like bill and floor because we only we wouldn't be privy to it because it's from harry's point of view which makes sense but even but even in leaving with bill and floor and the fourth year um, Harry sees a look. He sees Fleur give Bill a look. Whether that that could mean anything, right? Like, but when they're like Fleur and Bill are married or are getting married, which is going to happen in a few pages. Spoilers. Um, at the very least, like I could call back to that moment. You know what I mean? Like, granted, I do think that maybe Bill should mention Fleur at some point in Order of the Phoenix, or Ron could say like, "Oh, he's been going on dates with Fleur," or like Fred and George probably, because I'm sure Ron would be too salty to bring it up. But at that po- at the point that they're about to get married, they've known each other for a year, and we've seen Bill in Order of the Phoenix, and we probably when we don't see Flora, which I don't think is necessary because they're like you know undercover and underground or whatever, um, so it's not necessary to see her. But the she it just could have been done better. But of the three that we're talking about, of Bill, Flora, yeah. Harry, and Jenny, and Tonks and Lupin, that one's done the best. But with with Remus, so my theory about Remus and, like, this kind of thing he's going through, being tied to Sirius' death, like, Sirius was Remus' last friend. And, like, you know, he has friends now. He has, like, colleagues, people he works with, people he knows that, like, care about him and all that kind of stuff. But, like, 
Sirius was his last best friend. And, like, maybe they had something more. That's a headcanon, whatever. That could be possible. But, like, that's the last person he personally, like, loved, right? And it's someone that he knew was going to um, be with him unconditionally. Like, he, like Sirius and James and even Peter, to an extent, like, proved, Peter unproved it. But, like, they proved in, like, second year when they found out that he was a werewolf that, like, they really cared about him. So, and, and then Sirius, I mean, Remus got Sirius back, right? After, after finding out that he's innocent, all this kind of stuff, they're living together. They're like, are, even though they're in, it's, you know, it's hard times, but they are supporting each other. And then Sirius leaves. And like, maybe even Remus is telling Sirius about talks, right? Like, yeah, I kind of like her or whatever. But then Sirius dies and Remus is now on his own again. And he's like, well, I don't have anyone else who's going to love me unconditionally. And a lot of the main reason why he pushes Tonks away is because of his own, like, oh I, t- I tried to say, I know you, you, t- you, I know you, you told just, me the, the way you worded you worded it for maximum feel. There's no Keep other going. way for me to word it. But, what I'm, but basically what I'm saying is, like, that's why he's pushing her away, right? Like, no one else is going to love him unconditionally, and he doesn't even feel that he deserves that in the first place. So why would then he go with Tonks? And he's like, nah, Tonks, you need to find some... First, also, he also pulls the, like, oh, I'm older than you card, which is, like, some bullshit, because he's only, like, what, 35? But um, he's just like, I'm not a good fit for you, but I think part of it is because he's grieving for Sirius as well. It's not, like, I think that they're tied. Yeah. And I'm sorry for your feels, but you asked for it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um I I appreciate you sharing that. Because I do think that that's really valid and I wanna like go back into the chat and Julia says that she agrees with you because she feels like um Lupin is rebounding from his grief, whether it was platonic feelings for Sirius or more than platonic feelings. Um, the the quick connection with Tonks is from grief. Um, and then um, they're talking about Luna and Neville, but then um, um, but then they she talks about they talk about um, the following like the relation following the relationship threads instead of just dropping people into them. Um, is also an issue. And I think that a lot of what you said comes from that because there's so much that we're kind of having to add context to because there is none, partially because it's, you know, Harry's not privy to a lot of these moments and why would he be? Um, Mm -hmm. So we're not privy to them. But also the idea that, like, now Harry... You know, he's at the bureau, the bur- the borough, and all of a sudden now, like, Bill and Flora are getting married, Tox is crying about Remus, and, like, all this, like, information is happening, and it's, like, he's not having substantive conversations with anyone to, like, set some sort of, like, oh, okay, now it makes sense. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. It's still just very much, like, why is she sad? Yeah. Yeah. And then you find out the end that's because of Remus. And then also, again, like, we actually see Remus and Tonks together. We could see them flirt. We could see them laugh. Like, it doesn't even have to be, like, we're passionately in love with each other, right? Because they more or less just met by the time when we see them in Order of the Phoenix. There are ways to show it. You could also not. 
like I don't necessarily think that it and I, I mean I guess it is important in terms of like again the Teddy Lupin thing and like the end game and the parallels and all that kind of stuff but like it's not really necessary there yeah. and I don't like to bring this up but like their deaths would still be more impact would still be impactful if they were not married if they weren't together so right and I think one of the things and even and even that, I mean maybe not Remus's arc in in Deathly Hollows wouldn't be <sighs> but then it's really just setting it up better is what it is yeah and I will say this one thing that I didn't really think about until you said this is that Tonks's death I think would have been much more impactful without the relationship because at least to me when Tonks dies it's like oh my god Teddy has no one and right you, you mm-hmm. know Remus a lot more and so we're like god Remus's life is just horrible mm-hmm. and you feel all those feelings but when Tonks dies my feelings are like oh my god now Teddy has no one as opposed to the fact of like oh my goodness Tonks had this full life ahead of her she was young and vivacious and she had all these like goals and ambitions and she was a young like or and like all the things that could have been are kind of watered down to just thinking about the one thing that isn't going to be which is like her son mm-hmm. having a mother she was so much more than just and like mother. if we if we want to take that a little bit further, the most that we see of Tonks and like her actual personality, it stops in Order of the Phoenix. Yeah. Like, we get her as like a more of a well-rounded person to the extent that like a, like a secondary, probably even tertiary character like well, could get right. But yeah. like at this point, she's all she's doing is like, Fine. she's sad about Remus and we don't, and that's, and like, you know, that's not to say that that's not a valid feeling, but it's also, doesn't give us more about like her. her and then yeah. by the time we get to Deathly Hollow, she's just happy that they're married and like now she's pregnant. But we see all of that off screen. We hear it through Remus. Um, and then we get a picture. Yeah, we hear it off through Remus. We don't actually really see Tonks past like the Battle of the Seven Potters. Uh, yeah, it's just. Let's keep going because I have more Tonks thoughts, but like they'll come later. Hey, guess what? Um, we need to do a fire whiskey chat. If you would if you would like that, if you want to know what that is and would all, are not interested, check out our Patreon. Oh yeah. Look at that. Throw us some points. Okay. Help support um, us support you. <laughs> so then Dumbledore says goodbye and he also disappears. He disapparates. Um uh, Mrs. Lucy says, You're like Ron. Both of you look as though you've had stretching jinxes put on you. Which is such a great, like, I don't know. I always like the little, like, magical sayings that are really yeah. kind of, like, mundane. But things that you you would hear that, like, oh, you've gotten so big. But mm-hmm. you got look like you have a stretching jinx pin on you. It just adds to the world. It um, reminds me of, like, when they say, like, oh, like, Merlin's beard or something like that. Um, I just, like, love that because it's, like, when we say, like, Jesus Christ or something. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, but um, it also reminds me of your little sister who says sometimes, oh, carrots. <laughs> most adorable thing ever. <laughs> Doesn't understand why I get so excited when she says it. <laughs> so cute. That's hilarious. So then Mrs. Weasley asks, are you hungry? Um, sit down, I'll knock something up. 
Um, and then Harry sits down and sees a furry ginger cat with a squashed face jump, uh, come in and jumps onto his knees. So Hermione's here, he asks happily. Hermione was only home. So she arrived the day before yesterday. So she's been here longer than Harry has. She was only home maybe 11 days. And, and uh, once again, Hermione has a white mama because what black mama would allow that? I just, got, just, I went home for Mother's Day and you would think, and for one, how old is Hermione? 17 now? 16? She, I think she's almost 17. Almost 17. I'm 32. And you would think the way that my mother was talking to me, like I had just abandoned, like I had disowned the family because I had been home in, I don't know, maybe a month. It's been like a month. Mm-hmm. Like, there's no way. There's no way. When I was in college, I could have come home for 11 days and then peaced out again. And that's in college when I was, you know, 18, 19. So it doesn't make sense. I don't get it. I'm like, why doesn't she want to go home? I And especially now, like, I would love to be away from the wizarding world at a time like this. And mm-hmm. it's not, like, super safe for muggles right now, but at least you could be there to, like, Help your parents. Right. You know? Mm-hmm. Or something. Something. So everyone's in bed because it's like one in the morning. Um, and then Mrs. Weasley gives Harry some soup and bread um, and at, and says, so you persuaded Horace Slughorn to take the job. Um, he taught Arthur and me. He was at Hogwarts for ages. Started around the same time as Dumbledore, I think. Um, and then she says, he can be charming when he wants to be, but Arthur's never liked him much. The ministry is littered with Slughorn's old favorites. He is always, he was always good at giving legs up, or giving leg ups, but he never had much time for Arthur. It didn't seem to think he was a high flyer. So, again, just more information, or more, like, proof, I guess, that, like, Slughorn is trash. And, like, it's not really good, like, he's, sure, you could probably teach people, like, his particular subject, but he's not a good teacher in that he doesn't, like look to foster every all of his students um just the ones that he thinks have potential potential um so that's annoying um and then we find out that arthur has been promoted um to the head of the office of the for the detection and confiscation of counterfeit defensive spells and protective objects all of these goddamn offices have long-ass department names but cool shout out to arthur um, he now has 10 people reporting to him and, um, his job is basically, so it's, it's like very similar to what was going on at the end of Order of the Phoenix when the OWLs were happening, where like people were panicking about studying. So then like older kids were like, no, I'm going to sell you this thing. That's going to help you be super smart and pass your test. And then it's like fake and it'll actually make your eyebrows fall off. Um, so that's basically what people are like, <clears throat> people are doing is they're like, Here's this thing that'll protect you from Lord Voldemort. JK, JK, it's going to make your ears fall off or like your hair turn a color. You know what I mean? Or like, just like things that like are kind of, they they range from like silly to like potentially dangerous and life-threatening. And, but the other thing too, so it's like mostly people like Mundungus um, is what Molly says. But um, one time, or the other day, Arthur confiscated a box of cursed sneakoscopes that were almost certainly planted by a Death Eater. Um, so it, you, again, like it can range from it being like something that's really just like out of pocket and like something that someone's doing to make money versus something someone's doing to actually like sabotage or like kill someone or whatever. 
Mrs. Weasley says, I tell him it's silly. Or so he says, it's a very important job. So, and I tell him it's silly to miss dealing with spark plugs and toasters and all the rest of that muggle rubbish, which, yeah, I think in this, I kind of get what she's saying at this point, just given that like, it's more just the climate versus the actual job, if that makes sense. Yeah. Like in, in a time when like Voldemort is raining, like there are certain things that just take precedence. Yeah. Basically. It's really weird. Like, we see these things all the time. Like, I don't know. I'm thinking about, like, Infowars with Alex Jones. (laughs) Like, I don't know Mm -hmm. if you know that crazy dude. But apparently he makes millions of dollars selling, like, end-of-the-world vitamins and shit. And, Mm -hmm. like, so he, like, stirs up all of these, like, conspiracy theories about how the world's coming to an end. And then Mm -hmm. sells all of these, like, doomsday prepper type of like things and people are can be very gullible right they're just also like they're terrified right they've been listening to this guy talk about lizard people and shit so then like they obviously (laughs) want to do something to like protect themselves and so it's just it's interesting how like parallels are you know what I mean because it's like we haven't had I mean I guess like when you know, like, Hitler and, like, other crazy things, like, there were a lot of, like, or communism, the communist scare, there were probably a lot of, like, pamphlets and things that you can do to, like, make sure you're safe or whatever. Um, But I always saw those people as being really, like, weak-willed. But as Maggie pointed out last week, or the week before, I don't know, but, like, the Ministry of Magic spends so much time on misinformation that like everyone in the wizarding world has very bad like media literacy and like and just if it seems like they can be easily i mean they were a lot of most of them were fooled into thinking that harry was a liar and dumbledore was an old ook for a year right so it's mm-hmm. like um Someone like Mundungus, who is not a rep, rep, reputable, reputable, yeah, reputable person. Yesterday, today, because there's so much fear about Voldemort, is raking in a bunch of money selling stuff that like no one would have trusted to buy things from him two days ago. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So it's just like um, something to think about with like how people react to like dangerous and fearful situations. I think. Kind of maybe the same with 9-11, but I was a kid, so I don't really remember. Yeah. Portia says, I wonder how good or how worried Arthur is about finding uh, the Weezes, like Weezes, Weasleys, Wizard Weezes, um, mm-hmm. as contraband. And then says the twins are too good natured for that, of course. But also, like, yeah, I mean, yeah, I agree. I, I don't think he should be that worried. I also think that, like, we'll see in the next chapter um that that they're like helping the ministry um and so i think they're probably in good standing at this point like they're um and they wouldn't make stuff to capitalize on that i think like one of the things that we'll see in the next chapter is a lot of their products are more built around like joy and like finding like happy things in the midst of all the like craziness and like dark and depressing shit so which um, is like a really great thing for the twins because when you think about like Ron and how he reacts to like growing up not having a lot of money or access to things 
and the way that the twins react, which is like, well, we can just make our own fun. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. We can invent like these things that are going to, you know, be fun and be useful. Um, it just really like kind of, to me, jives with their personalities that we know of them. Like they were, um, you know, they would, they would, uh, experiment on first years, but like never like, but experiment on themselves first. You know what I mean? Like they were never like yeah. trying to do and it's not legitimate malicious. harm. Yeah, yeah. Even when they did do harm, it was not malicious. Hmm. Uh, Mr. Weasley is still at work, um, and he's a tiny bit late. Mrs. Weasley looks over to the clock, which is well usually hung on the Weasley's sitting room wall. Um. It's now sitting on a pile of sheets in a washing basket. Um, um, it's just started big echoey. Okay, I think we're good now. Sorry. So the, its current position is suggesting that Mrs. Weasley was taking, or had taken to carrying it around the house with her. Um, every single one of its nine hands were now pointing at mortal peril. So <laughs> it's... Things are not good, basically. Um, and Mrs. Weasley says it's been like that for a while and says, I suppose everyone's in mortal danger now, though I don't think it can just be our family, but I don't know anyone who's got a clock like this, so I can't check. Um, so now I'm curious about the origins of that clock and, like, if she created it or, like, it was custom-made or, you know what I mean? Because... Well, I feel like the the Weasleys in general are very, like, industrious. So it could I would not be surprised. And this is my new headcanon. Oh my God. Yes. I'm excited now. Um, <laughs> that the twins made it for her for like a Mother's Day gift. Oh, I like that. But they could do it. Yeah. So, and then suddenly the clock, uh, Mr. Weasley's hand switches to traveling. Um, and then a moment later, there's a knock on the back door. Arthur, is that you? Yes, said Mr. Weasley, um, but I would say that if even if I were a Death Eater deer, ask the question. Oh, honestly, Molly, all right, all right. What is your dearest ambition? To find out how airplanes stay up. And I wrote, Robin too, fam. Same. Same. Yep, yep. I love that you know me. Also, I was in an airplane yesterday on, like, and texting, because Delta has this new thing where you can, like, have free texting, and, like, the Wi-Fi, like, no matter what, like, you get free texting. And then, I because I have T-Mobile, I got free Wi-Fi and texting. So then I was able to be on Twitter. And it was amazing because I was in the air 10,000 feet. Actually, I think we were 30,000 feet because we were passing um, Utah or something and they had turbulence. How do they work? Witchcraft. Mm-hmm. Nobody knows. Nobody knows how planes work. Uh, okay. And then, uh, Mrs. Weasley goes to open the door, but Mr. Weasley is holding it tight on the other side and says, Molly, I've got to ask you your question first. Arthur, really, this is just silly. What do you like me to call you when we're alone together? And so things get awkward. Awkward. Molly Wobble. And Harry, Mrs. Weasley turns red. Harry's like, I gotta make as much noise as possible so that I don't hear this. Because, like, I just, this is just not something I should be privy to. And Molly says, Molly wobbles. Correct, said Mr. Weasley. Now you can let me in. 
got to set a good example, though, you know? Yeah, so that's the only way he does it because it's ministry procedure and he has to set an example. That's what he says. So, um, and then he's like, Harry, we didn't expect you till morning. Um, and then we find out why he was um, late. Apparently some idiot started selling metamorph metals. Um, just sling them around your neck and you'll be able to change your appearance at will. But instead, it turns you a fairly unpleasant orange color. Um, and a couple of people have sprouted tentacle-like warts all over their bodies. So they have to go to St. Mungo's, even though St. Mungo's has more than enough to do at this point. Um, and then, then there was also a nasty backfiring jinx down in Elephant and Castle. But the magical law enforcement squad had sorted it out before they got there. So that's why he's late. Then now it's time for Harry to go to bed and he gets to get Fred and George's room all to himself, which is cool because he usually has to stay with Ron. And and because they're sleeping in, they have like a flat above their joke shop so they don't have to like come to the borough every night. They're living on their own. They're adults now. Living living their lives. And so goes into Fred and George's bedroom um, and falls asleep. And then seconds later, or or so it seemed to Harry, he was awakened by what sounded like cannon fire as the door burst open. We didn't know you were here already, said a loud and excited voice, and he received a sharp blow to the top of the head. Ron, don't hit him, said a girl's voice reproachfully. Um, Harry puts his glasses on, sees that it's his best friends, Ron and Hermione. And uh, they ask if uh, the muggles were okay, if they treated him all right. Uh, Harry says, same as usual. Hermione keeps, like, looking at Harry and, like, she just keeps looking at him in a weird way. Mostly, I guess it's mostly just to, like, see if he's okay, but, like, without asking him, because I think she wants to be, um, like, she doesn't want to make him mad or, like, you know, be, like, she doesn't want to bring call attention to something because of, like, I guess to be, like, considerate in some way, um, but also can't stop looking at him like are you okay um and harry's like and harry notices obviously because she's not subtle um and so he's like how are you hermione and she says i'm fine and harry assumes that it's probably because she wants to talk about sirius's death but he's like "Mm, not today and says what's the time have we missed breakfast uh, mrs weasley is bringing the tray up because she reckons harry looks underfed which is probably true because he has been uh declining meals and also, I'm sure the Dursleys didn't try that hard to make him eat, so. Yeah, Ron says, so what's been going on? And Harry's like, nothing. And Ron's like, yeah, right, you've been off with Dumbledore. It wasn't that excited. exciting. He just wanted me to help and persuade his old teacher to come out of retirement. Oh, said Ron. We thought. And then Hermione flashes a warning look at Ron, and Ron says, we thought it'd be something like that. You did, said Harry. Yeah, yeah, now Umbridge has left. Obviously, we need a new Defense Against the Dark Arts teacher, don't we? So, uh, what's he like? He looks a bit like a walrus, and he used to be head of Slytherin. (laughs) (laughs) Which is like, okay. That tells you all you need to know about this person. Not untrue, I guess. Right. Right. It's just superficial. It doesn't really tell us what's going on. But, you know, who knows? She says, no, of course not. Oh, or sorry, no. So she says, he says something wrong, Hermione, because she's been watching him as though suspecting strange symptoms to manifest themselves at any moment. No, of course not. So, um, does Slughorn seem like he'll be a good teacher? Uh, don't know, said Harry. He can't be worse than Umbridge, though, can he? You know someone who's worse than Umbridge? Um, and it turns out, or she says, I know someone who's worse than Umbridge, and it's Jenny. Hi, Harry. 
What's up with you, said Ron. It's her, said Ginny. She's driving me mad. What's she done now, asked Hermione. It's the way she talks to me. You'd think I was about three. I know, said Hermione. She's so full of herself. Um, so Harry, of course, thinks it's Mrs. Weasley because that's the only other person or only other woman she, in the house yeah. that he knows of. Um, and then Ron says, can't you two just lay off her for five seconds? Oh, that's right. Defend her, snapped Jenny. We all know you can't get enough of her. And so then Harry's like, well, it's definitely not Mrs. Weasley because that makes no sense. And so he's like, way to look at the context clues, though, where is give me my wand, Tom, Harry Potter. Right. Exactly. It's a, he was quicker on the uptake. Yeah. A little bit. Gross. Um, just slightly. And Harry's like, who are you? But then the door opens again, and Harry instinctively yanks the bed covers up to his chin so hard that Hermione and Ginny slide off the bed onto the floor. Which I don't understand that. I feel like, like, does he not have a shirt on or something? Or, like... I don't know. But... Whatever. It's cool with Hermione and Ginny being Ron and Ginny. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like... But Whatever. Um, and it's for Delacour. She says, Harry, it has been too long in a French accent, but I'm not even going to attempt that because I just, Harry, I know my lane. it has been too long. Yeah. Robin doesn't know her lane, but that's fine. Um, she sweeps over the threshold, um, carrying Harry's breakfast tray. Mrs. Weasley comes behind her looking rather cross. There's no need to bring up the tray. I was just about to do it myself. It was no trouble. Um, first of all, let's just say there's no way that floor um, is worse than Umbridge. So that's a yeah exaggeration. That's but sometimes you're around people and they get on your nerves and sometimes you make exaggerations. It just happens. But that was a lie. A that was a lie. lie. Also, I was going to say, there's no reason for them to bring this boy a tray. He could take his ass downstairs. Go ahead. Well, Molly said, reckons he looks underfed and... I know. You know, she she's he's her favorite son of the seven. <laughs> so let's not act like you know That's Ron has some true. insecurities, but they're not unfounded. So Flor says, um, I've been longing to see him. You remember my sister Gabrielle? She never stops talking about Harry Potter. She will be delighted to see you again. I will not give Oh, you is a she second. here too? No, no, silly boy. I mean next summer when we but do you not know? Um, she looks reproachfully at Mrs. Weasley, who said, we hadn't gotten around to telling him yet. So, like, she's a hate, like, Flora, okay, hold up, sorry, I'm gonna, let me finish the thing, and then we'll get into it. Flora turns back to Harry, swinging her silvery sheet of hair so, so that it whipped Mrs. Weasley across the face, which is hilarious, but also, and funny. Bill and I are going to be married. Oh, said Harry. He could not help noticing that Mrs. Weasley, Hermione, and Ginny were all determinedly avoiding one another's gaze. Wow. Yeah. Uh, congratulations. Bill is very uh-huh. busy at the moment, working very hard, and I work part-time at Gringotts for my English. So he brought me here um, for a few days to get to know his family properly. I was so pleased that, to hear that you would be coming. There isn't much to do here unless you like cooking and chickens. Um, well, enjoy your breakfast, Harry. And with those words, she turned um, gracefully and seemed to float out of the room. I love that she, like, was like, there's not much to do here. You know, I'm supposed to be getting to know Bill's family, but that's nothing to do. Like, well, I just, I feel like, so Flora's always, like, been, or, like, thought a lot of herself, which is not necessarily a bad thing. And that's not 
Like, but also, you know what I'm like, saying? like, if you got why it, why wouldn't you got she? It. She's part Vila. She was the Bobatin right. champion. Like, like she's popping. She popping. And 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 I think like and so part of it too is that she's being brought here, right, to to get to know her family and like or her her fiance's family. And like, granted, she if you're not a dude, apparently she rubs you the wrong way. And maybe not. Maybe that's not true. If you're a dude, you somehow are like enchanted and you don't really get to, you don't see the parts where she can kind of be a little stuck up and a little abrasive with like the way that she talks or whatever. I also think like she's coming to this new place. Um, It's like nothing she's ever been in before. She didn't live in a farm. Um, And she is coming to meet like her fiance's family, like I said. And like then all of a sudden, like her, her soon to be mother in law, her soon to be sister in law are both like, and then her soon-to-be brother-in-law's friend are, like, super, are, like, rolling their eyes and, like, snapping at her and, like, not... And she's only been there a few days, so it can't be that bad. Yeah. So, like, um, it just... Delia and Portia are in the chat, um, but Delia says, um, I imagine Floor is being rude. Um, she's always been a little snooty, but I also imagine that Molly is automatically out of pocket and Flora is just trying right. to make it with these trifling women. Um, and Portia says she wouldn't be there unless she wanted to be. Um, and we know how charming she could be. So they're all hating so much. They're all hating. So give them something to hate is what Amani adds to the conversation. Um, mm. So she's out of her element and her future family are treating her like crap. And the men are being so basic and fawning over her like usual. Um, so it's not useful or helpful. And there's a bunch right. of them. So mm-hmm. there is like seven, eight of them. That's not easy. Right. Like she's coming into this new family and they're huge and they have and like loud all this and stuff. A lot. And fighting the dark wizard. Like there's just a lot going on. Um, and and she has to come into it. And of course Molly didn't. Molly right away. Like we'll see. Well, I'll keep going. Um so, mom hates her, said Jenny quietly. I do not hate her. I just think they've hurried into this engagement. They've known each other for a year, said Ron. Well, that's not very long. I know why it's happened, of course. It's all this uncertainty with you-know-who coming back. People think they might be dead tomorrow, so they're rushing all sorts of decisions. They normally take time over. It was the same last time he was powerful. People eloping left, right, and center, including you and dad, said Jenny slyly. Yes, well, your father and I were made for each other. What was the point in waiting, said Mrs. Weasley. Whereas Bill and Flora, well... What do they really have in common? He's a hardworking, down-to-earth sort of person, whereas she's a cow, said Jenny, nodding. Wow, Which is Jenny. not true, and, like, hella extra, right? Like, And also, not... like, coming from someone who's about to get slut-shamed a ton. And who has been. And who has been <laughs> slut-shamed a ton, yeah. And then Jenny says, but Bill's not that down-to-earth. He's a curse-breaker, isn't he? He likes a bit of adventure, a bit of glamour. I expect that's why he's gone for Flynn. Um, which is what she's calling for, which is disrespectful as fuck. Also, like, and like, I just want to like point this out to you is like, that is a thing that happens. Like there were a lot of people who's, you know, boyfriends or girl, girlfriends were in the military when we got into the Iraq war and they got married. Um, or like that. Ha- and it just always happens if they're going to get deployed, you know, they'll hurry up and get married and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Um, because you also get a lot of benefits. There are a lot of like practical benefits from being married. I don't know about that so much in the wizarding world. But it, to say that it's like 
oh, they're only doing this because he, who must not be named is back. It's like, well, you know what? When you are living your life, you have to take in a lot of factors of, like, everything. And that's a very valid factor to take in. So Mm -hmm. to, like, say it, like, it's not a valid reason, right? Because the way that she's like, well, me and Arthur were made for each other. Well, right. Bill and Flork might possibly be as might well. Might be made for each other. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And when you were getting married, you, that was a factor that you had to, you know, calculate for. I can't speak. Right. And, like, I think your father and I were made for each other is less of a, um argument versus, like, we went to school together so we knew each other for at least seven years beforehand, but that's something else. That's And we're cousins. So... Second cousins. Stop saying they're cousins, because that's not true. <laughs> like, it is, but it's not. True. But also, like, all wizard, all pre-rebel wizards are cousins. Not Bill. So, yeah, Bill's I mean, I just like, think hey, that... guess what? I'm gonna go find a pure-blood wizard who's not my cousin. Because she lives in... She well, lives in I meant all pure-blood wizards in Britain. Exactly. Yeah, or from Britain, who were born there. So, I mean, I think, again, like, I, like Floor is stuck up, and I think, like, the first thing when, when Jenny came in, like, the problem she was saying was that Flora is talking to her like she's three years old. So, there's, like, that, and Hermione's saying she's so full of herself. Like, those aren't necessarily false, and I could get, I could see how those things would frustrate you, right? But I think people, they're not, like, Molly, like you're saying, when Flora came in, Molly probably immediately was not happy and was like, why is this woman here? And Jenny is, you know, following after her mother. And she kind of, like, she met Flora two years ago, maybe, or at least saw her in passing. But I don't really think that we really got enough of a, yeah. um, enough of Jenny back then to know what she really thought of Flora at that point. And knowing um, someone we know is that, very different than knowing them as the person that your brother is dating. Yeah, absolutely. And, and but we do know that Hermione had issues with Floor. And part of that was because Flora was talking shit about Hogwarts and for other reasons. But also, what it mainly boils down to is this, like, anti-femme rhetoric that we get from these books. Where if you're girly and if you like uh, little things in your hair and if you wear makeup and if you're not worried, if you're not necessarily keeled over a book every two seconds or running around on a broomstick, well, flying around because you don't run on broomsticks, but you know what I mean, like then somehow there's something wrong with you and you're like well you're superficial and not right and you're not really worthwhile and and like I will say that by the end of the book the um we get a part of four that kind of wins them over but I also think that like that doesn't necessarily have to be the case I think they automatically assume that four is shallow shallow as opposed to um like actually talking to her yeah. They just assume from like her from her looks and from what she um says just like on the surface versus actually getting to know her, which is the point of her being there. Yeah, so we um in the chat they talk about Armani brings up like the fem the anti fem and is the reason we never get to see other girls in Gryffindor. Um and Portia says, Who else was Hermione speaking to through school? And um and Delia mentions that Hermione is the prime girl example, so we don't need to see any other types of girls. Mm-hmm. Um, and then um, when she's not fighting with Ron, Amani says when Hermione's not fighting with Ron, she ceases to exist and curls into a library corner forever. Um, 
And Delia mentions that she, we, she thinks we're supposed to gather that Jenny is protective of her brothers, but Joe doesn't write Jenny well, so it doesn't read well. Um, mm. And I think that that's true, but we are also supposed to gather that out of Molly, but the way in which they, even if that's, even if that is true, they're being protective and they just are not a fan of any girl that would be coming, you know, into the family. The way that they lash out at her, calling her phlegm and like those kinds of things are still problematic. Like you can mm-hmm. have, and it, a reason is not an excuse. I guess, or an excuse is not a, it's whatever. Like, it's a reason, but it's not an excuse for their behavior. Right. You know? Because they're still grown, thinking, feeling humans that should know better. Mm Mm-hmm. And behave better. Mm Mm-hmm. And Molly should have popped Ginny in the mouth for calling her a cow. Yeah, well, she said stop calling her phlegm, but that was about as far as she got. She should have popped her in the mouth. And Harry and Hermione laugh about it, so that probably doesn't help. Okay, so yeah, so um, Ron still seems a little punch drunk from Fleur walking in, and Harry's like, don't you get used to her if she's staying in the same house? Well, you do, said Ron, but if she jumps out at you unexpected like that, it's pathetic, said Hermione furiously, striding away from Ron. So it's also the, like, the jealousy, too, and it's just a lot of dumb dumbness. Um, You don't really want her around forever, Jenny asked Ron. Um... Well, mom's going to put a stop to it if she can, I bet you anything. How's she going to manage that, asked Harry. She keeps trying to get Tonks around for dinner. I think she's hoping Bill will fall for Tonks instead. I hope he does. I'd much rather have her in the family. Um, So, again, that's false. Um, Yeah, that'll work, said Ron. Listen, no bloke in in, in his right mind is going to fancy Tonks when Floor's around. I mean, Tonks is okay looking when she's not doing stupid things with her nose. Um... But she's a damn sight nicer than Flem, said Ginny. And she's more intelligent. She's an R, said Hermione. Fleur's not stupid. She was good enough to enter the Triwizard Tournament, said Harry. Which is like, all of this is trash until Harry says, speaks up. Mm -hmm. Like, even Ron is trash. Like, it's just... Right, like, the the sticking up for Fleur by saying she's prettier than Honks is a shitty way of sticking up for someone. And And also, like, and then... And it's the whole thing, like, okay, yeah, someone being pretty is fine. Like, that's, there's nothing wrong with that, right? But also, you can't say that, like, like, we see Hermione again. Her whole, like, like value system is uh, being smart over being pretty. Which, first of all, is not mutually exclusive and right. doesn't need to be. And so also, that's the girl who <laughs> fixed her teeth. So, like, there's vanity in that. And there's nothing wrong right. with that, right? But, like... You're not immune. You're not right. immune. Don't pretend right. to be. Like, it's just, it's a lot. And, and I, there's something about this chapter and the writing of the women that bothers me. Oh, shit! What? Earthquake. Oh. Or something. <laughs> Was that an earthquake? I don't know. I didn't feel it. I didn't feel it. But obviously we're not in the same place, so. I know, but, like, my window went, and I felt a little bit of shake, but not enough. I don't think that was an earthquake. Well, I don't know what that was. Is there an earthquake Mm -hmm. or my building is falling apart? 
Got it. I thought that was a reaction to what I said, and I was like, I don't think it was that deep. Like, and then you, <laughs> I was like, I didn't. I didn't think I was shaking the table, but apparently I was shaking your apartment. You were shaking so. my apartment with your, your <laughs> insights. No, my friend got in my head the other day because she was talking about how the, the big one's coming. Oh, people always say that. I know, and it probably is that. coming. But also, I'd still rather have earthquakes like, than like hurricanes. It's probably coming in that like earthquakes are always happening. You know what I mean? Like people have been saying that since the last ginormous earthquake. Like, right? Sure. Yes, it's coming win like right no one knows but so. i also don't want to waste my time being like the big one's coming like it's not here yet right yeah Nothing that's what i'm saying like it. it's just like sure yeah it is mm-hmm. and then after that one another one is gonna come at some point in the future that's how earthquakes yep Whew. um sorry but I've yeah i think there's something like about that for an earthquake <laughs> <laughs> usually you're asleep so then that's, you don't really get scared you know, i'm nine yeah. nine i'm bad at yeah um but so yeah so I just I don't really like the writing of the women in this chapter and I get part of it too because right like part of it is that they're supposed to be having all these preconceived notions about Floor and then at the end Floor has the speech that like turns them over like that changes their mind or whatever and shows them that she has depth but I also think that like you could show that she has depth and also have them have this thing or even one of them it doesn't have to be all three of them it could be one right like right it's one of the and problems I would really with, again, like, like with the house elves, for example. And I think it would have been more realistic to had she had connected with one of them. Hermione would have been a good one, but connected with mm-hmm. one of them and had the other, like have at least have a girl picking up for her, um, against the other girls, as opposed to like it being Harry and Ron, and then making it seem like oh Harry and Ron only care because she's pretty, right? You know. Mm-hmm. And I think, and that's like the problem, right? Right. It's the same as with um, SPEW and Hermione, where it's like you see that what they're talking about is either like wrong or right, whatever it is. But it, the whatever, like the narrator and the actual text does not take it seriously and does not offer up anything more complicated than what is being presented to you. Um, and I feel like there's a way to write these conversations where you know that like Jenny and Hermione and and Molly are like tripping. But that they still have this, because that could be a part of their characterization and that's it. Like, I think that's fine, yeah. right? Like, I don't necessarily, like, them having those thoughts is a problem, but, you know, we want flawed characters. We don't want them to just always be right all the time. So I think that that's fine that they have those thoughts, but then having nothing to challenge it other than, well, she's pretty. Like, like you're saying, like, having nothing else to challenge it that feels, yeah, like, substantial, um, and I often think about this through the lens of like how I felt when I, or how, what I thought when I was reading it the first time. And of course I don't like fully remember that, but I do know at some point I was on their side, but it was because those are the characters I know. Yep. And like, I really love Hermione and like, those are the ones that I know I'm supposed to side with. And so I'm like, yeah, four is the worst. And then you get older and you're like, well, what has four actually done to any of these people? Not a goddamn thing. So Julia um, also points out that like, Reading it as an adult, it just reads as a lot of personal insecurities that Joe must have herself, and then it takes Delia out of the world and out of that because she just doesn't believe that all of these characters, as Joe has written them until this scene, would be this catty. And I agree with that. Like, even just the way that like Hermione sticks up for Ginny when they're talking about who Ginny's dating and stuff. Like, I don't think that Hermione would then turn around 
and not stick up for Floor. Or that Ginny would not stick up for Floor against Molly. Right. And it's also perfectly fine if they if she annoys them. Right. Like, you don't always have to get along with women all the time. And you can also get along with people who get on your nerves. My sisters get on my nerves. But also stand up for them if some shit goes down, right? Like, and it, and it doesn't even have to be that close. Because obviously they're just kind of getting to know each other. But still, like, okay, yeah, she's kind of annoying. But still, hear her out. Right. Like, just have some kind of empathy, and that's not here at all. Or just, like, even at, like, well, she's trying. You know what I mean? Like... Mm-hmm. She's. It's not an easy situation that we put her in. Like there needs to just be some kind of like balance to to that. Or you know, it makes sense to me that Jenny would be upset if someone if Floor comes in and is talking to her like she's a baby and and talking down to her. But then to not, but for that to be the thing that she was upset about and not just whole brush you know that she's the worst and she's slim you know like mm-hmm. you can you can have things like you said like there can be aspects of someone that annoy you but that doesn't mean that the entire person is annoying um and coming off of like a character like umbridge or, or like dealing with like pansy parkinson you would think that they would be a little bit more discerning in how they about people yeah yep um so harry points out that floor is not dumb and then jenny and hermione jump on him for sticking up for her and then jenny says i'd much rather have tonks in the family at least she's the laugh she hasn't been much of a laugh lately said ron every time we've seen her she's looked more like morning moaning myrtle that's not fair stabbed hermione she still hasn't gotten over what happened you know i mean he was her cousin um, and so they had arrived at Sirius, yeah. um, which is also not the reason that Tonks is upset because, and this is not to say, again, this isn't to say that like grief doesn't turn up at like moments when you don't expect it. Right. But, and this is more about the timeline, um, in terms of like when Remus rejected her, when they saw her at the platform, like two week, two or three weeks ago, she had her pink hair on she had the weird sisters thing mm-hmm. on. She was threatening the dirt leaves. She was fine. And, she and not to say that she wasn't grieving or that she wasn't sad, but she wasn't all down in this like, like depression or like slump, right? Like it's right. a different and serious even explained and like talks kind of explained it. They didn't know each other that well. They didn't grow up together. He was disowned. Mm-hmm. Her family was disowned, and like, yes, they're cousins, but they weren't. They weren't like, close. close, you know. And that's what and that's what Ron says. He's like they. And plus, Sirius was in Azkaban half of her right. life. Like, so, like, they did not know each other like that. And, like, you can be upset and sad, but I imagine her, like, sadness over Sirius is about the same as, like, Ron's. Yeah. You know? Like, it, like yeah, it's sad and, like, I feel bad, but also... And we were in the order together and, like, he died. And, and we, you know, he noble. dragged me under a tree with his mouth and that was a time... <laughs> just looking back at all the fond memories <laughs> that was the time <laughs> but like you know it's just like not it's not as big of an impact on him personally and it's not as big of an impact on Tonks personally in that way And then, but Hermione says that she thinks that it was like that Tonks thinks that it was her fault that he died because she was fighting Bellatrix the Strange um, 
before she before uh, Bellatrix was fighting Sirius. But this is all speculation, right? Like she's saying it's survivor's guilt, um, and that's all speculation because Hermione hasn't talked to uh, Tonks about that. And not to say that like Hermione often is right with her intuitions and stuff, but like again, they did not know that Remus and Tonks were talking or had any kind of situation, so that wouldn't cross her mind. Um, and they shouldn't know, right? Like so, this is another point of like yeah. The trio as the Scooby gang, you know what I mean? Of like these meddling right. kids, like they're not talking to you about all of these things. And yes, like Fox is younger and cooler, I guess, than like their parents or whatever, but like she's talking to Molly, she's confiding in Molly. And so, yeah, they're just like making these big leaps still in book six. They're making these fantastic leaps. God, it's exhausting. Yeah. They're exhausting. Do better, Trio. <laughs> Hermione says that Lupin has tried to talk her around, but she's still really down, which is really the only clue, is that her and Remus have talked. About what? Who knows? She's actually having trouble with her metamorphosing, which I think is, like, another thing about, one, me, it goes back to me not seeing it for Tonks and Remus, and also... Me not really liking so much how women are written in this chapter, but now it's expanding to the book, and I think it mostly just has to do with the romances not making any goddamn sense. Because it... Because she's a mystery writer, never forget. But it also is always, like, it's like the... Somehow she puts the onus on, like, the women. Like, they're all weepy, and they're all sad, and they're going through this really deep... And it's not to say that those things don't happen, right? Like, it's not to say that people don't go through, like, depression, or, like, don't get really, like, upset about losing love or whatever like that's not to say that that doesn't ever happen but it also feels like that's talk's only storyline at this point (laughs) it just feels like word and like i as a person who stands remus lupin i just am not like i don't know i just i don't well we don't see remus coming over and confiding in Right. We don't see him having those, that, that or, issue. Yeah. And even like, and even when we get to, into Ron and Hermione, like we see Hermione is super upset, but Ron is just like, haha, look at me with my girlfriend. And like, again, that's the haha, look at me with my girlfriend is a very Ron Weasley thing to do, but it just, I don't, it's more like the, it's the lack of diversity in the reaction or in the reactions that make mm-hmm. me kind of like, meh. It's the... We don't like femme women, but all of the women are going to fall apart over a boy because that's what women do. Mm-hmm. Like, you can't have it both ways. I think. Yeah. There's just a lot wrong with the writing of the characters. Yeah. The book is lit. Outside yeah. of that. It's so weird because now I'm like, I might have to, I need to go check what my old ranking of these books were. And rethink them. Well. I always knew that I didn't like, like, I didn't, I never hated this book, but I knew that, like, I really did not like Harry in this book. But now I'm like, do I like anyone in this book? I love Hermione. Like, generally, I love Hermione, but, like, I just. I've never seen it for this book like that. Um, I always thought that it was one of those, like, needed to be done. You know what I mean? It was like, Mm. this is the book that needs to happen so that Deathly Hollows can happen. Right. And so I always accepted it as that, but I never was like, this is the best That's interesting, because I don't, I also don't dislike 
Half-Blood Prince, like, the movie, um, there are parts in it, like, obviously, like, burning down the burrow, which is some bullshit, but I also appreciated that, like, like, I feel like Order of the Phoenix, like, the movie was too dark, and I feel like Half-Blood Prince is dark, but, like, I actually appreciate the romance in the movie a little bit, even, like, not necessarily, not all the way, because, like, the romance between Harry and Ginny is about, is dry as, like, yeah, I don't even know, like, T'Challa before he went into the astral plane, or the ancestral plane. Um, How dare you, but also, yeah. Like, I said before. Um, oh, I know, but I'm saying... I mean, he wasn't even then, so that's not even a good... That's, but what, I'm just that's saying, what I was like, saying. Before the like, astral plane, he was still T'Challa. He was as, he was as dry as Killmonger, because Killmonger's go. ashy as hell. It's Killmonger before he went into the ancestral plane. But, like, so that shit was dry. But I just appreciated, like, the teen angst and, like, the humor that that's in that movie that, like, I feel like is not really in Order of the Phoenix. And I feel like it lightens. And that's always, like, I don't think they do it perfectly, but it's something that I wish for in the older, like, in the later movies that there's, like, more humor in it. Yeah. Um, and so that's, like, part. So And also, because this is not my favorite book, I didn't have... And probably also coming off of the Order of the Phoenix movie, I don't think I had, like, as high expectations. And so, like, certain things didn't happen, and I was like, whatever, that's fine. And so I don't, like, dislike the movie as much past the two things, you know? Um, Like, there's only, like, two things in there that I'm just like, why? And I think it's partly because, like, this book is not, like you were saying, yeah, I guess the way you explained it makes sense. Yeah, I mean, I just, this book is a means to an end. Um... But that being said, like, and I, what I meant to say was that the, the, the series is tight. The characterizations in this book are not. Um, but there are certain books, like I'm thinking about like the Magicians um, trilogy. Sorry. And I don't like a single character in those books. And so I didn't even finish it. I didn't finish the third one. I was not interested. Um, but there are, there's something about these books and the way that they're written in which, like, you know, fi- even Fifth Year Harry annoyed me, but I still love that book. And I love, mm-hmm. like, and, you know, his character made, his characterization made that it was infuriating mm-hmm. and it was frustrating, but it was true. And the thing, my problem with this book is that she shoehorns this romance in, and so a lot of it doesn't read true to me. Mm-hmm. Like, it doesn't, it's not even, like, consistent with who they are written as people. Yeah. Yeah. Delia says that Half-Blood Prince is her least favorite book, but the movie is actually really good how the acting is there, I guess. I've only seen that movie, like, <laughs> It's, 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 uh, the burning of the burrow really, like, brings it down, but I, again... It pisses me off, and then it's just back. But I think for me is is coming after Order of the Phoenix. My like I I had already like rage watched that movie so many times that like at that point sure apparently I was probably like I'm dead inside so whatever (laughs) (laughs) like it's fine. And then the burrow happened, and I felt that rage, but it was only like a little bit. You know what I mean? Like it was only for that amount of time that that was going on. It was, it was oh, such a dumb scene. Okay, we'll get there. Um, so Hermione's saying that Tonks can't change her appearance like she used to. Um, and she says, I think her, par- her powers must have been affected by shock or something. 
Um, and then Mrs. Weasley comes in and asks Jenny to come down and help her with lunch, which it's like 9.30 in the morning, but I guess they got a lot of people. So um, Jenny gets mad and says she only doesn't want me there so she doesn't have to be alone with Flem. And then she leaves the room pretending to be Floor. Um, and then says, you lot had better come down quickly too. Uh, so Harry's like, I'm going to eat some more cause I'm still hungry. Hermione starts looking through Fred and George's boxes and pulls out a small telescope asking what it is. And Ron says, um, if Fred and George have left it here, it's probably not ready for the joke shop yet. So be careful. Um, so then they talk about Fred and George and how they're doing really well with their business Harry asks about Percy, who is still not listening, or who still has not made up with the Weasleys and is not talking to his parents because yeah. he's dumb. Um, and then Dumbledore, or Harry finally tells uh, Hermione and Ron that Dumbledore is going to give him lessons. Ron's like, you kept that quiet. I only just remembered, said Harry. Um, Private lessons with Dumbledore, said Ron. I wonder why he's, and, he see, and Harry sees Ron and Hermione exchange looks. Um, and Harry decides that it's time for him to tell them about the prophecy. Um, and Harry, yeah, (laughs) it is time. Um, so Harry lets them know about what happened at the end of Order of the Phoenix. They, like, that Harry showed, or sorry, Dumbledore showed Harry the prophecy, um, and, like, about what it says, neither can live while the other survives. Um, the three of them gaze at each other. Um, in silence for a moment, then there was a loud bang and Hermione vanished behind a puff of black smoke. She emerged, clutching the telescope and sporting a brilliantly purple black eye. I squeezed it and it, it punched me, she gasped. Um, don't worry, said Ron, who was trying not to laugh. Mom will fix that. She's good at healing minor injuries. Oh, never mind that now, said Hermione. Harry. Oh, Harry. Um, and she asked if he's scared. Not as much as I was, said Harry, when I first heard it. I was, but now it seems as though I always knew I'd have to face him in the end. Um, Ron says, Dumbledore wouldn't be giving you lessons if he thought you were a goner. He wouldn't waste his time, which is, which is hilarious, but also is like, it's comforting at the same time. <laughs> and then Hermione starts going through the kinds of things he might start learning with Dumbledore, like really advanced defensive magic, powerful countercurses, anti-jinxes. Um, but Harry didn't really listen. He knew that Ron and Hermione were more shocked than they were letting on, but the mere fact that they were still there on either side of him, speaking bracing words of comfort, not shrinking from him as though he were contaminated or dangerous, was worth more than he could ever tell them. Friendship is, friendship is great. Um, and Hermione says, at least you know one lesson you'll be having this year. That's one more than Ron and me. I wonder when our OWL results results will come. Can't be long now. It's been a month, said Ron. So it's actually been, sorry, just going back to our timeline. It's been a month since the Department of Mysteries because that was when uh, they finished their last OWL. But it's only been two weeks since their end of term. Yes. So that means that the ministry waited a month to let the uh, muggles know about Voldemort. So. There's that. Wow. Yeah. And then Fudge, I guess, was uh, still Minister of Magic Minister for Magic. at least like those two weeks after, like after the Department of Mysteries, and then that's when Scrimger became, yeah, the person. Um, Amani says, <laughs> to be fair, though Dumbledore is only giving him lessons because he knows he's a goner, which is 
Not untrue, but also not nice. Not nice. <laughs> Hang on, said Harry. I think Dumbledore said our OWL results will be re- arriving today. Today, shrieked Hermione. Today? But why didn't you... Oh my god, you should have said. And then she jumps to her feet. I'm going to see whether any owls have come. Um, but when Harry gets downstairs, uh, no owls have come. Hermione, or Mrs. Weasley is trying to get the um, black eye off of Hermione. Um, and says it's not working. But it's got to come off, squeaked Hermione. I can't go around looking like this forever. I will point out that this is kind of karma. Right? Mary- Marietta Edgecombe's still walking around with her meek on her face. So mm-hmm. you can go around looking like it for a little while and still be better off. Bit. Just a bit. Bill told me how Fred and George are very amusing, said Floor. Yes, I can hardly breathe for laughing, snapped Hermione. Like, that's not her fault. And that's the thing. No, it's not even that. It's that, I think that's part of it too, is that Floor, in a way, in in a similar way to Hermione telling Lavender that Lavender didn't uh, dread her bunny dying. Mm. um, Floor is not, doesn't have a little, doesn't have as much tact as she should. You know? Right. Because that, at that moment, it's probably not a good time to talk about how Fred and George are amusing, even though they are. And this is kind of funny. Just probably not the time. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. I know I messed up ancient rooms, muttered uh, Hermione. I definitely made at least one serious mistranslation, and the defense against the dark arts practical was no good at all. I thought Transfiguration went all right at the time, but looking back, Hermione, will you shut up? You're not the only one who's nervous. And when you've got your 10 outstanding OWLs, don't, 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 said Hermione. I know I failed everything. So then we find out that if you fail, you discuss your options with uh, your head of house. Um, And then Flora says that at Bow Battens, they had a different way of doing things. Um, They sat their examinations at six years of study, not five. Um, But then we don't get to hear more about uh, about Bow Battens' magic because the Hermione sees three black specks in the sky growing bigger um, as they come closer. And so then Harry, Ron, and Hermione stand at the window just staring because they're terrified. Um, And then the owls come in. Harry opens his and he sees his grades. So he got an acceptable in astronomy. Oh, wait. Passing grades are outstanding, exceeds expectations, and acceptables. Failing grades are poor, dreadful, and actually literally troll. Right. So astronomy, he got an acceptable. Not okay. Go ahead. No. It's not. Because a troll is a living being. Mm-hmm. No matter what you think of it. Mm-hmm. But you know, wizards don't really hold much... Uh... PC culture. <laughs> yeah. They don't care about magical creatures that aren't themselves, so... Yeah. Um, so an acceptable in astronomy, astronomy um, exceeds expectations in care of magical creatures, exceeds expectations in charms, an outstanding in defense against the dark arts, a poor in divination... Um, exceeds expectations in herbology, a dreadful in the history of magic, exceeds expectations in potions and transfiguration. So Harry says he had always known, or thinks, he had always known he would fail divination, um, and he had no chance of passing history of magic given that he had collapsed halfway through the examination. Um, but he had passed everything else. He had even exceeded expectations in potions. And best of all, he he achieved, um, outstanding in offense against the dark arts, um, Ron looks up and says, only failed divination of history of magic, but who cares about them? Here, swap. Um, there are no outstandings on Ron's uh, 
results. Um, well done, said Mrs. Weasley. Seven OWLs. That's more than Fred and George got together. Hermione, said Jenny tentatively. How did you do? I, not bad, said Hermione. I'll come off it, said Ron, uh, taking the results out of her hand. Yep, nine outstandings, and one exceeds expectations at Defense Against the Dark Arts. So she got ten OWLs, while also mm-hmm. taking one more class than Harry and Ron, because she's a motherfucking beast. So shout out to her. Uh, okay, well, we're new students now, uh, he said, uh, Grand Ron. Um, Harry looked back at his results. Um, they were good, or they were as good as he could have hoped for. He only felt one twinge of regret. This was the end of his ambition to become an R because he hadn't secured the required potions grade. He had known all along but that he wouldn't, but he still, you know, felt upset about it. It was odd, really, seeing that it had been a Death Eater in disguise who had first told Harry he would that he would make a good R, but somehow the idea had taken a hold of him and he really couldn't think of anything else he would like to be. Might I perhaps make the suggestion of Defense Against the Dark Arts? Professor. Professor. Perhaps. I mean, Perhaps. I do kind of understand that from Harry's perspective, that is not a career. Because it's first. Yeah, and one and done. <laughs> it's a one and done type of thing. Like, you're not trying, like, no one is really, like, aspiring to be the defensive against the dark arts teacher at Hogwarts. But there's Durmstrang and Bobatons and, like, you could study and write, you know, whatever. But, like, yeah. Teaching just seems such a better fit, especially after he's had the the DA experience, mm-hmm. but never crosses his mind, which yeah. makes sense, but and part also. Of, yeah. And part of the reason is because he's thinking about the prophecy and like, it's supposed to be him who gets, who um, defeats Voldemort. And he's like, wouldn't he be living up to the prophecy and giving himself the best chance of survival if he joined those highly trained wizards whose job it was to find and kill Voldemort? Um, I also like that he thinks that, like, that's going to happen when he's an adult. Right. Like, nah, fam, you got about a year. He thinks he has enough, he thinks he has time. (laughs) He ain't got no time. have a career path. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah, so. All right, let's get into these votes. Who is your MVP? So, my MVP, um... In a weird, it's it's Harry. Um, mm-hmm. I just think that like there are certain things like I don't I don't really think that anyone like exceeded <laughs> expectations in this chapter. Mm-hmm. No one gets a great but OWL, but or outstanding. Sorry, um, no one gets an outstanding OWL for this chapter. But I do think that Harry, um, you know made some valid points about Floor and sticking up for Floor, even though they fall on deaf ears because he's a boy and they think that he just finds her attractive. But um, I also think that he's got a lot of information that he's taking in, the fact that Floor is there and that Bill's getting married. Also, the fact that he's taking lessons from um, Dumbledore and he needs to explain the prophecy to the trio. And, like, he's, he's just got a lot going on. And so... Um, because of that and because of the lack of competition, I give it to Harry. about you? Um, I said Ron and Hermione um, because, like, their support of Harry is, is really important, I think. And, like, I also do give it to Hermione, despite her tripping about Floor. Like, she also did that with her OWLs. 
Um, mm-hmm. But mostly because of their support of Harry and like, I, I mean, you know, Harry's not a Ravenclaw, but I'm like, I don't know how he thought he was going to do this on his own when he has these two like at every turn and they're literally like, okay, what are we going to do? Like, yeah. this is, okay, you neither can live while the other survives. That must mean all three of us. Yep. Um. So like, I think that that is super important to Harry and it means a lot to him. And as someone, especially as someone who has just lost someone who is really close to him, Again, to just reinforce that, like, he still has these people who care about him and are who, will, who are willing to, like, take that um, leap, leap, you know? Yeah, is, is really important. So um, I did that. I didn't do Floor only because while it's not her fault that her, that her, uh, these people are treating her like shit, she could, like, think about how she words things. Yeah. That's all. But, like... Again, like you were saying, no one is really outstanding in this chapter. Yeah. So. Who did you bitch? Uh, what about the chat? Oh, sorry. <laughs> um, <laughs> so Delia makes Floor MVP for doing what she can. Dealing with in-laws um, is a minefield. Um, and she's stuck in a foreign place. And then Amani says Floor for putting up with this nonsense and maintaining her shade. Um, and Portia says floor for not cussing them all out in the shadiest of French uh, to their faces. <laughs> Love that. Uh, yeah. Who did you uh, make your, who did you bench? So I benched, and Portia's going to love this, I benched Molly. Just because I really wanted to bench Jenny, but when I was thinking about it, like Molly has set up, it's kind of the Petunia argument where she set up this environment where that's okay. And like mm-hmm. she did say like, don't call her Flynn. But she didn't say it in a way that, like, I don't know. Like, when your mama tells you not to do something, like, you know when it's serious not to do, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. if she would have put that, some bass in her voice, like, Jenny would have cut that out immediately. But Mm -hmm. she's probably, like, giggling and being like, don't say that. That's, you know, you shouldn't say that. Exactly. It's not cute. But there's no, like, this is not how we treat people that are in our home and who love one of our it's gonna be family basically so mm-hmm. that was that otherwise it would have been jenny um yeah, yeah. um i also bench molly just because like she's the adult in the situation like you're saying like she sets the example um so like while jenny is tripping and while hermione is tripping in those situations like they also are following the lead of someone who's older and should know better um, and they're teenagers and like teenagers have dumb opinions about shit. And like, I also, again, don't think that it's a problem for them to have issues with floor, right. but I think they need someone to be like, Hey, maybe chill. Right. And they don't have anyone because the mother is not chilling. So, um, yeah. and I partially also what I just thought about this. I want to add Hermione to my bench cause girl, go home. <laughs> 11 days your mama yeah. should be the one teaching you how to treat people correctly but she mm-hmm. can't because you never at home never at home shit so. bench the grangers for not putting their foot down y'all want to see your daughter right true come on bro okay anyway um delia benches molly for creating this atmosphere and not being an adult for not seeing the nastiness in her kids and checking herself when she and what she's sewing uh, Amani benches Molly via J.K. Rowling, and Portia benches Molly for not for taking her worries out on her future daughter, whether rather than taking her under her wing. Sometimes she only reserves for young men, or something she only reserves for young men who don't even seem like they want to date her daughter. 
So, both facts and shade at this terrible, terrible romantic plot setup. Because we still yeah. haven't seen anything I that kinda suggests bench... that Harry would have a crush on Jenny. Yeah, I kind of want to bench Joe for that, too. Because, like, like, girl, where is the setup? Porch. Jimmy just comes in and she's like, hey, Harry, it's just like it's last Christmas mm-hmm. at Grandma Place. Like, what's up? Just he ain't got on. no shirt he, on. She doesn't gaff. He doesn't, he she's doesn't not have awkwardly beat. staring his at his chest. He doesn't have, like, the boom, 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 Nothing. He's Nothing. not like, wow, Jimmy's hair looks really nice today. Look really at his skin. shiny. Got nice skin. Yeah, or something. None right. of that. Nothing. None of that. Um, so thank you for listening. Next week, we will be discussing chapter six of Harry Potter and the Half-Blood Prince, Draco's Detour, in which Harry Potter becomes a hot-ass mess, and that's the beginning And of does not end... Annoying... Does not bullshit. stop being a well, hot-ass mess until the no. end of the book. Mm-hmm. Well, Forever. Septum Simpra. That's when he learns his lesson. That's we have take, a long that's time a, until That's a then, long time from now. <laughs> and I'm not looking forward to that. And but it took Septum... anyway. It took Septum Simpra for him to learn his lesson. Okay. Like, fine. right... Okay. Um, anyway, join us though. Make sure to follow along and let us know who you think is the real MVP and who is bench for the chapter. Join the conversation on Twitter at We Black and Nerds, hashtag wizard team. Um, fill out our survey, throw us some coins for our birthday, um, and such. And thank you for all of your support. And we will you know see that thing you. where people ask you to give money to a charity for their birthday? We would like you to do that, and the charity is us. Yeah, basically. Basically. But yeah, thanks y'all, and we'll see you another time. Thank you. Bye.